Thanks for joining us today. At City Life, we have one purpose, making it easy for people to say yes to Jesus. We believe today's message will empower you to do exactly that. But remember that church is so much more than a sermon you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life. You know, last week, Jen started this new series we're on called Into the Wild, The Art of Living Lost and Found. And she started the series so powerfully. If you missed it, go online, not now, afterwards. You can get a double header this morning. You can watch, and then you can go get last week's message online and watch, but it was so good. But, you know, this whole series, we are going into the wild of relationships, Look at the person beside you and ask them, are you ready to go? Are you ready to go? So, you know, I love what, even what Jen said last week. You know, if we're going into this whole, if we're going to deal with the intensity of the season that we are in now, and it's probably going to keep coming for a while, you know what? There's a depth of relationships that we need that we probably didn't realize we need. True? There are some relationships, even some new relationships we need. And, you know, because I think one of the seasons, I don't know about you, but I think one of the seasons or one of the things that this season has really, you know, surfaced or brought about is it has been so disorienting. Everything has changed and it keeps changing. True? And there's, it almost creates this feeling of lostness. I don't know if anybody, can, if anybody else relates to that. If you relate to that, you're watching online, give a thumbs up. If you've been feeling a little bit lost. Like, it's anywhere from, like, you come, you see people that you haven't seen for months, and you're like, eh, and then you're like, ah. It's kind of like this weird dance we're doing. It's like the COVID hug dance. Do we hug? Do we not? It's kind of like, well, I don't know what I should be doing. And, and you're kind of waiting, and you're like, we need a new code. Like, we need, like, a, a tattoo or something that, you know, we just left us got an H on it's like I'm huggable you know because some people are like please don't come near me and others are like I'm huggable please hug me I need somebody to hug me but it's like we just feel lost we feel lost at what to do and you know you go into a store or a restaurant or a place you haven't been before and you're kind of like where's your arrows it's like I don't know what direction am I supposed to go it's like where are those stupid arrows there's no arrows it's terrible but it creates this feeling of lostness doesn't it and it's so disorienting. And there's that, ooh, it's like getting physically lost is a terrible feeling. Whether you're getting physically lost in the wilderness or physically lost on a road trip, especially when Google Maps, you thought it was taking you where you wanted to go, only to find it didn't. There's nothing worse than feeling lost. But there's also a lostness in our soul that I think is more unsettling. You know when you just feel like you can't think straight? You're not as sharp in making decisions as maybe you were before. You're an emotional roller coaster. You just, your willpower is kind of out the door. It's kind of like, I don't care. Who cares? Nobody else cares. Everybody's at home. Who cares? Like, you know, it's just such a feeling of lostness. And, you know, I remember before I gave up trying to live my life my way and fully surrendered my life to following Jesus, not being a Christian. Anybody can say they're a Christian. It's different to be a follower of Jesus. But before I really became a follower of Jesus, you know, I can remember there was, I felt so lost and so alone. I, I was surrounded. I had, I had the greatest circle of friends. 
I had a family who loved me. I had a job I loved in a career that was suited for me. I had lots of money. I had zero debt, which meant I did a lot of spending. I had a lot of fun, did a lot of great things. But there was this never, there was this horrible, nagging, never letting up sense of I feel so lost. It's like the soundtrack over and over in my head was, what is wrong with me? Why is my life so empty? Why am I so surrounded by people but feel so alone? You know what? Maybe in this room, maybe you can relate. Maybe watching online, you can relate. And, you know, what was the problem? Well, I know what my problem was. I was what I call drifting in life. I was living life untethered. And that was a problem. You know why? Because here's the thing. We were created for connection. You know, Jen introduced this last week. You know, we've been made in the image of God who has always lived in this fellowship, this community called the Trinity of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And no, we will not go into that subject today because that is just one of those subjects you need a whole year in Bible school and even then it doesn't cover it. But you just, it's a Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's this eternal community, this fellowship. And you know what? Being made in God's image means that image of community is written in our DNA. It has nothing to do whether you're an extrovert or an introvert or a nine or a seven or a two or a three or an eight or whatever you are on the Enneagram scale. And some of you are like, huh? Actually, you can go online, not now, but you can go check out the Next Steps track because if you have not taken the Next Steps track, actually, if you did a long time ago, there is a whole new unit on the Enneagram and what that means. So you can go check that out. That's free. But this whole thing of community was written into our DNA. But you know what? Even if you don't buy into that, I don't know about this created an image of God stuff, I want to show you something else. It's actual historical proof. And it's something that's tucked away in one of the most boring parts of the Bible. You know what that is? A genealogy. How many of you get to those genealogies, those lists of so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so, and you're just like, oh my gosh, like what the heck is that about? It's like genealogy, this is terrible. And they're even worse when they're, you know, you're trying to read through your Bible in a year and you get stuck on the genealogies. You're just like, oh my gosh, I've read about the same verse 10 times. But one day I was reading a genealogy, and this is from Genesis 10 and 11. And it doesn't get more boring than this. Actually, it does. It's kind of more boring in Chronicles and Numbers because there's a ridiculous amount of genealogies. But I was reading, and you know, one thing you notice when it gives ages and years, and one of the things that was very common before the flood, people would live to be 800, 900 years old, almost 1,000 years old. Can you imagine living that long? It's mind-boggling to think about that. But then the flood happens, knowing the ark thing, but even after the flood, it's listing these people, they were living between 460 and 600 years that's a lot of years. And so it's going, so-and-so begot so-and-so, and then he lived 100 more years, 300 or 600 or 500 more years, and so-and-so did all this. But then all of a sudden, it gets to a guy named Peleg. Why don't you say that name? Peleg. Do not name your child Peleg. Please, it's a terrible Bible name. <laughs> His name 
Something interesting happened with Peleg because right up until Peleg, people were living, the guy right before him, his dad lived to be 464 years old. And all of a sudden, with Peleg on down the line, it drops down almost in half to 239 years was Peleg's lifespan. And it keeps dropping from there. And I'm like, what the heck happened? Like, that's kind of a considerable drop. Like 464 to 239, like that's a lot of drop. That's like almost half. And I'm like, what happened? Guess what happened in Peleg's time? It's a little incident called the Tower of Babel where man tried to build a monument to themselves, to their greatness. And God's like, that's not the way it's going to work here on earth. You're supposed to be a blessing to the world, not trying to build your own monument. You're supposed to care for the world, not consume it for your own enjoyment. And what happened is God confused their language and humanity was scattered. And I think it's kind of interesting that in the time when man all of a sudden was disconnected in a way that humanity had never been disconnected before, the lifespan was cut in half. Do you think we've been made for community? I really believe we have been. We have been created for connection. Everybody say, I was made for connection. We have been created for connection, but unfortunately, because of the pull of the culture that we live in, we are pulled more to disconnect. We're pulled into the drift of disconnection. And I think even more so of this time that we're in right now in this COVID season where it is seeming to promote disconnection. There is something that we need to be aware of because it doesn't take a lot to drift. Go ahead, media, you can put up the image of a one degree drift. How many of you know it doesn't take a lot? Look at that's what one degree looks like. That's not very much, is it? It looks way bigger on that screen than what it does on your paper in your geometry textbook or whatever it is. But you know, that one degree, it doesn't look like a lot to begin with. In fact, what's interesting, for about the first maybe quarter, it actually looks like you're living connected, true? I can be connected. I'm living connected. I'm connected. But we can actually be disconnected. We can start to drift. And it might not show for months or years. It might not show for a long time. See, and often we don't realize we're living disconnected because what we have, what I like to call quasi-connections, it's like we look like we're connected, but we're actually just a little bit off and we're drifting and we don't really know it. What are some of these quasi-connections? Well, I'm gonna hit the whole social media rant just because we love to talk about that. <laughs> And you know what? Social media is tricky because in a way, there is, it fosters a bit of connection. True? It does. It fosters connection. I'm so thankful because it allows me to connect with family that are all over the planet for me. It allows me to connect with friends. The only problem with it is we tend to connect with content and not with real people most of the time. We share, share, share. We like, like, we're connecting with videos. We're connecting with images. We're connecting with, you know, a, a whole bunch of things. We're not really connecting with people. And, and, and the other thing with social media is very me-focused. 
We're not usually there for other people. We're usually there posting and then checking back every two minutes to see how many likes, how many comments, and we're, oh man, do I have a few more followers because of that. And, and what social media does, it, it, it trains us to skim. In other words, how many of you, the, the typical, it's a whole new muscle reflex. Skim, skim, like, skim, like, 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 skim, skim, I don't like them, skip, 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 you know, like, we skim. But you know what it's doing? They're actually doing studies on this. We are forming the habit of skimming in our brain. So that we take skimming, our brains are being trained to skim in real life. So when I'm having a face-to-face -face conversation with you, you know what else I'm also doing? I'm also skimming the crowd to see who I'm going to talk to next. I'm skimming who came in. Oh, there's the person I really want to talk to. Or we're skimming through a conversation we're having with a face-to-face -face human. And we're skimming the conversation to look for something that will open the door for me to talk about me. It's so quiet. See, unfortunately, social media actually creates a lot of disconnection. Because we're like, hey, wait a minute. What? How come I wasn't invited? Pfft, unfollow. You know, where we just kind of withdraw in our own soul because we're looking at everybody's beautifully curated media feeds with their gorgeous children and luscious looking meals and their friends who look like models and their adventures that are gorgeous and amazing. And we look at our feed of, you know, furry four-legged friends and bathroom selfies and we're just like, my life is dull. <laughs> Unfollow. <laughs> I suck. I'm a loser. You know, we don't. Social media doesn't really promote us talking about our real feelings. Like, when was the last time we had a real conversation with someone about jealousy and envy? It's like, hey, I, I, I'm really struggling with, I'm seeing this. My friend's doing this, and they're doing all this, and I hate how it's making me respond. I hate the jealousy and envy I'm having. When was the last time social media actually led to that kind of conversation? See, social media is a quasi-connection. Here's another one. It's the work-slash-job connection, and this is how it starts. We get out of school, and then we are so, like, overwhelmed. What am I doing with my life? You know, we're kind of like, it's so disoriented. We feel lost. And so then we're kind of, like, looking for something kind of anxious, and we finally get the job, or we get our, you know, that inroad into the career, and then we're like, boom, we got something to anchor us. We got a structure now. We start, we go to work. We're around people all the time you know maybe we're going to meetings all the time we're on the phone all the time we are selling all the time we're around people all the time we've got this structure we're anchored to where's this you know I know what's required of me it's giving me something and you know now we got this whole thing we feel a little bit anchored in life we're connected and we think well I'm not disconnected but actually we are because see at work we're focused on work on getting the job done and we should we're focused on getting work done. We're focused on doing things. We feel like we're connected, but we're anchored or we're connected to a system or a structure called work. Here's another quasi-connection. I call it the crowd connection. You know, I can totally relate to this because this very much was my life. 
before I started following Jesus. And you know what? We might have a couple people in our life, or maybe we have a lot of people in our life. We are surrounded by people. And crowd isn't really about size. Crowd could be two people. It could be 20. It could be, you know, 20 followers. It could be 2,000 followers, whatever your crowd is. But see, the crowd isn't necessarily, it's, 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 we're connected, but not really, because there's a difference between having a lot of people and having the right people in your life. See, the crowd is, again, it's a very me-focused interaction. Because the crowd, it's got, it's people are in the crowd because they're looking for something for me. True? I'm looking for what I can get out of it. What's in this relationship for me? I see the crowd might like you. They might make you TikTok famous. They might make you an influencer on Instagram. You might have a gazillion likes. In fact, you might even be getting paid for what you're posting. But the crowd, Jesus had his crowd. Man, the crowd unfollowed him when the, you know, the commitment standards kind of went up there. The commitment requirements increased. The crowd crucified him. <laughs> the crowd will crucify you. It's just the way it goes. See, we might look like we're connected, but we really need to ask ourselves, am I really connected? Or am I starting to drift just a little bit off that one degree and I don't realize it and pretty soon I feel this disconnect in my soul when I need people I'm kind of floundering alone to follow Jesus is to live in a way that resists the drift of disconnection I'm not talking about being a Christian in fact, you know, over the next, we're, we're kind of on a mission to, like, get rid of that term. Because that term Christian actually has created a bad taste in the mouth for very many people. You know, maybe even watching online, you've had that. That's why you don't want anything to do with church, because you've had a bad taste in your mouth, mouth from Christians. And see, it's one thing to take a label. It's another thing to live as a follower of Jesus when you're actually following. Because see, when you really follow Jesus, your life starts to look different. You start to change from the inside out. Your character is different. Anybody can slap the label Christian to their faith, but it's a different type of person who follows Jesus. You cannot sort of follow Jesus. You are either following or you're not. And even Jesus said, you're either with me or you're not. You're following or you're not. You can call yourself this, but that's not what I'm after. To follow Jesus is to live in a way that resists the drift into disconnection. Jesus' prayer for us. Let's read this together. You can follow along on the screens. Look at this. Or on, and it'll come up on, the, on, your, on your screen, whatever you're watching on. John 17, 20 to 23. This was Jesus' final prayer before going to the cross. He said, I'm not asking solely for their benefit. This prayer is also for all the believers who will follow them and hear them speak. Father, may they all be one. As you are in me and I am in you, may they be in us. For by this unity, 
the world will believe that you sent me. All the glory you have given to me, I pass on to them. May that glory unify them and make them one as we are one. I and them, you and me, that they may be refined so that all will know that you sent me. You love them in the same way you love me. That was Jesus' prayer for this prayer of connection. So how do we resist the drift? I am giving you three very simple, practical things. Here we go. Number one, tether yourself to the right people. Tether yourself to the right people. So you might have a lot of people that you connect to through work or through sports or through some other kind of social activity or hobby or, you know, maybe even a social justice program that you're part of. But those connections, you need something deeper than just those connections around an activity. You need something deeper that will keep you from drifting. You need more than just buddies that you hang out with. You need people who will do, they will keep you tethered to a solid foundation, which means they need to be tethered to a solid foundation. Here are some questions. Who are you doing life with that can process with you about what Jesus is doing in your heart? Here's another one. Are you doing life with people who are championing the call and purpose of God on your life? You know what it means to champion? It means they're going to fight for you. They're going to fight when you feel like you can't go on. They're going to stand in the, they're going to stand beside you and they're going to speak life into you. They're going to encourage you. They're going to say, you know what? This isn't you. You can do better. And I'm not talking about just doing better. I'm talking about making better choices. You need people that are championing the call and purpose of God on your life. People who will tell you when you're drifting. You need truth tellers that are tethered to truth. See, if, you, the most, if you're hanging around, the most of the people that you're hanging around are all struggling with the same stuff you're struggling with. It's like the blind leading the blind. Ain't going to get too far. You know, Proverbs says, hang out with the wise and you'll become wise. You know what? You want relationship wisdom? Make sure you're hanging around married people who are happy or singles who absolutely are whole and happy and complete being single. Man! You don't need to be around other people who are sad and sappy and like, I need a boyfriend, I need a girlfriend. <laughs> you want to live a life of purity? You need to hang out with people who have discovered the secret joy that comes from embracing God's desires over their own. You want to stay out of debt? You need to do life with people who know how to have fun without spending money all weekend. <laughs> Tether yourself to the right people. Number two, put down an anchor of trust. Here's the thing about trust. It works on the principle of sowing and reaping. So, if you're finding it difficult to trust people, or you're having a hard time finding people to trust, we might want to pause and ask ourselves, am I being trustworthy? Because trust works on the principle of sowing and reaping. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Many will tell you they're your loyal friends, but who can find one who's truly trustworthy? How do you become trustworthy? Or what do you look for in a trustworthy person? Well, somebody who, they're, they're confidential. They're not like, meh, 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 about you or about other, to you, about other people. They're close. Distance breeds distrust. And I'm not talking about just physical proximity. I'm talking about a distance. People that will allow, they'll be real with you, being emotionally close. 
But you know what? I think one of the biggest things when it comes to trust is being consistent. Steady Eddie. They just, man, you were consistent. You're on time. You show up. You don't bail. You don't make plans and then bail at the last minute. You keep your word. And you know what Jesus said? When you're faithful with little, you'll be trusted with much. Trust is earned and it takes time. And you know, a lot of times I'll hear people say, it's like, ah, that group, they're so clicky. And it's like, well, you know what? Sometimes it's true, but you know what? Most of the time I find those people have been doing life for 10 to 15 years. There is trust that has been earned. They have walked through hard stuff together. They've walked through ugly stuff together. That trust is earned and you can't expect in six months or even two years to have the same depth of trust. You want close, tight friendships like you see? You gotta just keep showing up. Just keep being there. Just keep being that steady present. And the last one, the third thing that you can do to resist the drift, be a lifeline for someone else. Be a lifeline for someone. One of the greatest things that you can do is to share the power of your story. People need the power of your story. And I'm going to take a little bit extra time. I'm going to do this illustration. JD, I need you to stand up. Here you go. I'm not going to whip you. Take it. You can take it. You know what? Your story of your struggle with infertility could be a lifeline that will prevent somebody else from drifting into despair. Now, J.D., I want you to take this and throw it to somebody. You hang one end and throw it to somebody else. There you go. Your story of a lonely time in high school could be the lifeline to keep someone from drifting into isolation and even self-harm. Okay, Adrian, here you go. Throw it to somebody else. There you go. Anybody. Thank you, Donna. Your story of a painful breakup could be the lifeline that prevents somebody from drifting into bitterness. One more. Donna, here you go. Throw it to somebody. (laughs) Hang on to one end and throw it to somebody else. You know what? Your story of abandonment as a child might prevent somebody from drifting in unforgiveness. See, your story is powerful. And see, this is the thing about our stories. When we are connected, our stories connect us to each other. And you know what? It's really hard to drift when our stories are tethered. Not to a fun event and an experience, but they're tethered to the rock of Jesus Christ the one we're following together. You know, church in the room and church watching online, you know what I want to invite us to? I want you to go close your eyes, wherever place you're at, wherever you might be. You know, even if you're watching in a public place, it might be kind of awkward just kind of look down and pretend you're doing something. But you know what? I really, I want to take a moment here to pray with us, to lead us in a prayer that is the most powerful prayer, the most powerful declaration you can make over your life and for your life. And it's a prayer of saying yes to Jesus. It's a prayer of coming into that real knowing of the reality that you are not alone. 
that he is right there with you in whatever circumstance you are facing, whether your life is wonderful and great or whether it's the worst it's ever been, you know what? You are not alone. Jesus went through everything. There was a great price paid by the Trinity to make community with God that make them one with us as you and I are one. Father, that prayer Jesus prayed, he was thinking about you. He was praying it for you. And this prayer we're going to pray out loud together. And I want to encourage you, if you're watching online, if you've never made this decision to say, I'm going to follow Jesus with my life. You know what? Pray this prayer even quietly under your breath. And let's pray together in the room. Let's pray out loud together. Say, Jesus, thank you for everything that you accomplished to make it possible for me to be invited in to the inner circle of the Trinity. God, thank you that all of my sin, my failures were dealt with at the cross and I now have access through Jesus Christ to a brand new way of living. Jesus, I decide today I'm following you from this day forward in your name. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor as a church to play just a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to seeing you soon here at City Life.